Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode of Stuff They Don't Want You To Know is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select game Gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back to our playlist uh, celebrating the release of the UAP report. Well, the release of two reports. One is classified and just for Congress, but you can read the other report right now. And uh, while you're looking for that, you might ask yourself, hey, how can I get involved? How can I become a ufologist? This is the question we answer in this episode. And uh, you guys remember doing this, right? We had, we had actually talked with ufologists in the past uh, what, yeah. what was your take? Have you guys become ufologists? We we did for a time. Do you remember we on our machines back when we were owned by Discovery? Oh, I hope they we can't get in trouble for this. When when I left the office at night, sometimes very late, my machine was being used to study reports and to look at the sky. It was a part of MUFON. So y- you could do this too. And didn't you guys actually go to a MUFON conference? Yes. Yeah, we, we did. did. <laughs> I was sad, sad that I missed out on that one, but it sounded like a good time, and I believe we discussed it in the episode. Yeah, I believe we do. Uh, we definitely we discussed it in the past because we were, you know, we were fascinated by it. There were there were a lot of people doing pretty rigorous investigations here uh, into these mysteries. But if you ever hear the term ufology or ufologist, and you wonder how how do I do that? How does that become my profession? Uh, then this is this is the episode for you. It, it busts a lot of myths and it separates some of the fact from fiction and misunderstandings. And it's honestly more of a hobby, unfortunately. For now. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Matt, you're back. I'm here. It's me, Noel. Hey. They call me Ben. Uh, we are joined, of course, with our super producer, Paul Deckett, and uh, we hope you join us in welcoming back Matt Frederick. You are here. You are you, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. This 
This episode is meant to answer a question that we stumbled upon in our earlier conversations with John Goforth. Remember that, Matt? We talked with um, John Goforth about Tom DeLonge and disclosure. Yeah, yeah. And I think it did come up. How do you become an expert? Like, wh- mm-hmm. what are the means to be a an expert in these things? I was super bummed to have missed that one, so I'm going to be learning some new stuff today. Excellent. Hey, who knows? We might end the show by becoming ufologist ourselves. This question was posed to us by one of our co-workers, Jason Koch. So shout out to you, Jason, and thanks for the recommendation. You think work will pay for it? That's uh, that's up to debate. Hey, do us a favor. If you want to help us become uh, <laughs> credited ufologists. Go to GoFundMe.com slash STDWITK. I was going to say right to our bosses. You know what? Do both. Yeah, there you go. Do both. Uh, so that's, that's today's question. How exactly does someone become a ufologist? We hear about ufologists often. You'll see them in things like – Ancient Aliens on History Channel. You'll see them quoted in um, in different television programs like the old Unsolved Mysteries and, and so on. But to explore how somebody goes from just being an average a, a civilian in the world of UFOs to becoming a noted expert of some sort or another, we have to first figure out what a ufologist is. So here are the facts. The term – UFOlogist comes from, obviously, UFO. That dates back to 1953 when it was an abbreviation of the earlier term, unidentified flying object, that came around 1950. Basic stuff. And they do what it says on the tin. They study reports of unidentified aerial phenomenon or flying objects. But there's a weird, tricky thing here when you think about it because once you identify the thing – are you really still a UFOlogist? Or, you know, if it's a weather pattern, have you accidentally become a meteorologist? If it's a bird, have you become an ornithologist? I'm just fascinated by the fact that these credentials come in a tin with instructions. I think one thing we're going to notice here is that historically when you maybe are considered a UFOlogist, you probably have a degree in some related field. Yes. Like what? Uh, like like a meteorologist, okay. uh, or, some otherologist. Uh, well, yeah, or physics. Yeah, physics is a, a really big one. If you're, uh, let's see, in if you and if you're an engineer and you make mm-hmm. airplanes or something to that effect, an aerospace engineer. Let's see or, how that could come in handy. Yeah, and we'll we'll find that the interdisciplinary nature of this is both a blessing and the curse for the professional ufologist out there. But how many are there? Funny you should ask, there are no accurate figures on that number. The one thing we found that had an indication at least of the education level, going to your point, Matt, about their degrees, right? In 1976, the Center for UFO Studies conducted a voluntary poll uh, amid its donors, and they found that of the 161 people who responded, one-fifth of them had Ph.D. degrees and 75 percent had earned at least a bachelor's degree or higher. The most common degrees were in physics and engineering. And their jobs, as it's reported in this paper, are, you know, pretty pretty white-collar professional things, doctors, lawyers, engineers, of course, and professors. Which is strange because they were dedicating their free time to this study of unidentified phenomenon or objects. And in their day jobs, these people are considered credible scientists. But ufology today is still widely considered a pseudoscience. So you can't go to a um, reputable university and get a degree in ufology. Not not for the most part. Got it. Oh, and, and in that – survey, these are just people who are interested, right? These are people who donated to a thing. Yeah, they donate to a thing. They go to the conferences, the yeah. networks. Cool. Um, so they have an, an active interest in it from one of those outside yeah. uh, professions. They're probably not out protesting in front of the White House in the 70s for disclosure. But yeah, no traditional colleges or universities offer specific degree programs in what we would call ufology. However, there are some courses available online. For instance, the International Metaphysical University offers six courses in ufology studies, including Introduction to Ufology. It's taught by an historian named Richard Dolan and the Online courses have 12 lectures each, 
that cover different different ideas. I mean, we have the names of them that I think indicate a little bit of bias. Yeah, things like what are UFOs? It's a good place to start. Uh, theories of ancient visitation. Uh, no, not as good. I mean, it just it feels a little like they're stacking the deck at I that see. point. I see. I got you. And then um, the early cover up. Does the Great Courses offer this? That's what I want to <laughs> I don't think Hey, so. I miss the Great Courses. Those things were fantastic. Yeah, man. We can still get them, right? Greatcourses.com slash conspiracy. Maybe is still active. Who knows? <laughs> there are also, just so you know, other lecture titles like Weird Science, Propulsion, Energy, Spacetime, and Consciousness. Is that consciousness separate from spacetime or spacetime and consciousness? I think it's all of it wrapped up together. Uh, more bang for your buck, huh? Digging deeper, the breakaway civilization. What is that? Uh, would that be... <sighs> Would that be a civil, a hypothetical civilization that breaks away from Earth and lives in space? I don't know. You got to take the course. Got to take the course. Yeah, and this is a th- this is extant. You can go and take the course now. You can enroll, and you can see some testimonies from people who have taken the course, and you can read about the grading system. All you can get all the details. Uh, all you have to do is visit intermetu.com, I-N-T-E-R-M-E-T-U.com. This is not free. No. <laughs> we should point that out. You know what the breakaway civilization is? It's pretty interesting. It's what this idea it? of this alternate reality that exists only in like 500 million pages of classified documents. So it's sort of this like meta reality that supposedly the information exists uh-huh. to understand, but we don't have access to it. Oh, okay. And when I say reality, I just mean, you know, cover-ups and the stuff that 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 is known, but okay. not known to us. So it's an alternate reality, it's like not a, physically earthlings, right? Just okay. like a, the you know the behind the the curtain kind of stuff. I, I've should, never heard that term before. I yeah, like it. Yeah, let's do an episode on that. I like it. Uh, we may have to invest, however, if we want to use this course as the basis for our future episode on breakaways because the courses cost around 200 to $400 each. And this can be – you can see how this could become expensive, you know. Mm-hmm. And let's say you decide to become a ufologist but you say, you know what? I don't want to rely on self-education. A lot of people who describe themselves as ufologists are doing it based on – Research after a an event that they have experienced firsthand or something they've seen, something that touched them in their personal lives. So they're self-directing. The, the And there's nothing wrong with self-directed research. Some of the most important scientists and philosophers in human history were just on their own reading books they thought were interesting and writing other things as well. But let's say you, you, you don't feel completely comfortable doing self-education, you sign up for something like this program at International Metaphysical University. You finish that 12-lecture course and boom, you're out of school. You have to get a job, right? So what what do you do for a living with this, with this degree? Basically, you try and give talks wherever you can give talks or you get in contact with people who – have footage of something, you study that footage, or you watch the sky and you wait and then hopefully write books about it. Mm. Those are, those are my, that's my understanding. Is there anything else? I, you know, it's funny you say this because it reminds me of some of my friends who were, who became sociologists. They got their PhDs in sociology and they said, what do you do with that? And they said, teach sociology classes. Oh, okay. So it's, so maybe a lot of people who become ufologists through this path begin teaching or transmitting their their own knowledge and experience. Which, yeah, but, but I can go to the international metaphysical thing and pay $400 and get my degree. Why would I need to learn from you, ufologist guy who just got your degree? Maybe they are adding more to that base education. Gotcha. I don't know. Uh, it, it's It's a good question, right? The university website notes that UFOlogists can seek work as lecturers, writers, movie consultants, which sounds pretty cool, or political activists, similar to Tom DeLonge and Luis Elizondo, working toward disclosure or working in the political and government arena on the area of UFOs in preparation for contact or landings. All right. 
There we go. There are a couple of other things they say you can do as well. So prepare for contact. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you could work, I guess, yeah, this, this does note that you can work as a professional hypnotist mm-hmm. and or uh, what does this say? A life coach mm-hmm. for people who have, who claim to have had abduction experiences. Right. Yeah. And the, the university for their part makes no claims about the employment chances after completing the course. You know how some universities or colleges for certain courses will say 90% of our graduates are placed in a job within the first six months after graduation. And, you know, to be fair, this is an audio course. You're listening to lectures by Richard Dolan. Mm -hmm. That's what you're doing. You're listening to a podcast essentially by Richard Dolan and then taking notes and having discussion. So there's no – like testing? It's all on it's an all online course. I'm I'm certain there is testing. There is okay. testing. Okay. Yeah, okay. but there but in this case it's a prepared lecture essentially like you would get at a college, I guess. There's just no There's real, no back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, the course has um let's see the course has several quizzes and then they have a midterm exam, assignment and a final exam. Do you think yep. we could find any of them to, to try to quiz ourselves just to see if we could do it cold? I wonder if we could. We could probably dig into it and see. I'd be interested. Let's yeah. do let's do a series of two or three episodes where we just take this course live uh, on the show. I bet they would take it. <laughs> they, would, they would probably take issue with that. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, surely that's illegal. <laughs> well, let's just contact Richard Dolan and see if he'll come in and, and talk with us. I mean, he's an author. He's made mm-hmm. he's written several books that you end up reading or are asked to read or suggested in to the read. syllabus. Yeah, well, that's a great idea. Yeah, that is a great idea. Uh, there, If you don't want to go that route for some reason, there are two other online inter- universities we found that offer similar courses. There's the IMHS Metaphysical Institute and the Center for Excellence in the United Kingdom. Hmm. They offer full degree programs as well. And Matt, you looked at some of this stuff, yeah, right? The UFOlogy diploma course from the Center of Excellence only costs 127 pounds. Uh, that's British. For the money. whole course? Yeah. And that's you can you can even deal. finance the course. You put twenty nine pounds down, then you pay sixteen thirty three for six months. I mean, even if it's a scam, that's a pretty affordable scam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh you can go over – I mean they've got some information about what you're going to learn, but it's – I would say it's pretty limited as far as – I mean it gives you kind of a course syllabus. It's like an introduction yeah. class, an introductory course rather. So it talks a little bit about the history of the search for UFOs, a little bit about the present day, and then it seems to end on how uh, – addressing how a student can get involved – but there, there are some things that will, I'm sure, drive the more skeptical of us in the audience insane. Like in their write-up, they say, quote, the UFOlogy diploma course provides insight into the technologies that are likely used to propel UFOs and different kinds of craft and their purposes. Hmm. So they're not saying we're trying to figure out what these are. They're claiming that they have, in fact, identified the unidentified objects. There you go. Um, another thing that we should point out for this is that this course is certified by the IAHT, the International Alliance of Holistic Therapists. That's uh, claimed on the website there. And I wonder what, what they have to do with ufology. Well, so it inherently has kind of a new age bent to it. It would appear to be the case, yeah. Unless the IAHT is uh, – more familiar with this sort of stuff because one would assume that most ufology questions are going to be related to things like the nature of physics and aviation and again meteorology but perhaps there's more to the story so what do you do if you say okay i've seen that i appreciate it but i think there's i I want something more traditional i want more formal education like to your point noel i want to go to rutgers or to yale or something and learn this it can be difficult for a budding ufologist to find the right path of study because of the inherently interdisciplinary nature of this research like if we go back to our earlier example should a ufologist first study engineering or should they study physics should they study meteorology 
or psychology or folklore or sociology or just all of them at once. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, it is a bit of a grab bag because there's certainly science involved and um, astronomy involved and the idea of studying space. But it's also wrapped into a lot of pop culture ideas and a lot of folkloric ideas or things that are not quite provable. So there's a lot of conceptual thought behind it as well. It's interesting. Sure. Making yourself aware of a lot of the folklore surrounding the event of a UFO will give you an idea as to what what do these people maybe think they're seeing in their heads when they're viewing some object in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, and it's – it's a, a, a dilemma, you know, for many people, UFO enthusiasts and skeptics alike. This feels problematic. Look, some of the skeptics in the audience now might think these are just wastes of money or even worse, a purposeful con job. As, as we've said, Matt, Noel, and I have not taken these courses and we haven't yet seen material from them. So we can't really comment too deeply on what, what they actually are. I think that idea of taking a test is fascinating. But people who actively research UFOs and perhaps feel that they have a specific line on it, that they found a previously unexplained uh, weather phenomenon or they've proven uh, there's extraterrestrial involvement, they might feel this type of education is unnecessary or misdirected. And they say, well, maybe we're better off studying just orthodox meteorology, old school aerospace engineering. Will the time of a professional ufologist be better spent in the field chasing reports and gathering firsthand experience? And, I mean, anybody can do that. You could be a hobbyist ufologist in that respect of just paying attention to the clues and writing things down and submitting, you know, your reports. But it feels to me like if you really wanted to be in a position to really catch something like this, you would be studying one of these other more traditional fields, like astronomy, for example. That would, that would give you the skills needed to actually see a UFO mm-hmm. if it were to be a thing. I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me. I think it's a great point. Oh, and that's right. We buried the lead a little bit. We should mention this. It's true. There are professional UFOlogists, and we'll explore their stories after a word from our sponsor. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating up to eight passengers. Yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. 
Happy International Women's Day. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great too. With thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a Chill Mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on Chill Mattresses and get two free pillows iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. So while most uh, mainstream media outlets tend to portray these ufologists or people that study UFOs in general as the crackpots or, or you know, misguided. Um, there is some truth in the idea that multiple places do actually employ professional ufologists. And we're not talking about uh, – what's that guy from Ancient Aliens' name? Richard Dolan. Richard Dolan. Not talking about him. He, he is, though. I yeah. thought I was the <laughs> Slukos. What's that guy? Giorgio Sukolos? Yeah. Or uh, there are so many that we've discussed in the past. Mm-hmm. The uh, Hand of the Gods guy. Eric Von Daniken. Yeah. We're talking about real, you know, human people, not not television presenters. Hey, those are real human people. I know, I know, but I, I don't believe it until I see them in the flesh. I, th- I think they, they could be just conjured. Okay. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Well, we do know the technology exists to completely impersonate them. It's true. <laughs> So, um, so, yeah, so, we're talking about um, people who get paid m- money, currency, to spend time trying to determine the true nature of these unknown aerial phenomena. Or at least at one time were paid by a government even to do so. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Nick Pope. Is That's it time? the guy. Are we talking about Nick yeah. Pope? What, what's going on with this Nick Pope guy? He's the real molder. He's the one. <laughs> He's the chosen one. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. He is a, a career civil servant, or he was at the time, yes. in the United Kingdom, and the Ministry of Defense gave him a weird job in 1991. Yeah, he works at a thing called the UFO Desk. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, man. And apparently he gets between 200 and 300 reports a year of sightings, and his job is to follow up one-on-one. Interesting, right? Yeah. I bet some of those calls are pretty wild. We should say he did or he was or Mm -hmm. uh, just in the past tense because this is uh, 1991, right? Mm -hmm. Two years before the old X-Files comes out. Which is like our favorite show. The best show. And I don't (laughs) care who you are. That's that's (laughs) true all around. But as as recently as May 29th of 2018, he put out a tweet talking about the Pentagon's UFO program and how they also studied poltergeist activity and Mm -hmm. goes back and mentions when I ran the UK government's UFO project. We were the focal point for all the, quote, weird stuff. Crop Crop circles. circles, Yeah, Mm -hmm. ghosts, you know, weird stuff, wacky stuff. Both the U.S. and the U.K. programs were real-life X-Files. Yeah, and he – so what he would do from 1991 to 1994, which is great because that means he was still doing this when the first season of X-Files came out. Yeah, it makes you think he got on the phone with somebody, maybe with, uh, Chris, Chris Carter. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. I would, we'd love to interview all the people we're mentioning at this point too. So let us know who you would like to hear from in a in a subsequent episode. So his job was just that he would get a report. Somebody would say, "Oh, there's a maybe a crop circle or a haunted place, or there's a strange light." That's been appearing, you know, on Donover on Sandwich or whatever, whatever British village. I'm just making up names. I want to go there. I want to go to Donover on Sandwich. Uh, and, and so he would travel to the place. He would interview people. He would verify the precise time of the report, the precise location. And he would check those facts against something that he called the usual suspects. A true investigator. 
And that's what he is. I, I mean, he's a paranormal investigator. Mm-hmm. Have, we, have well, we heard about what his credentials are? No. Would you like to talk we, about that? I sure would. Yeah, journalist, sure. right? That's a good, I think that's a good start too, uh, as far as just being able to kind of be a detective and, you know, follow the the leads and follow the clues. I think a journalist would be a great way to study this kind of stuff if you so chose. What about a podcaster? Well, there you go. Hey, dream big, right? Oh my God. <laughs> so he also, he says that he started from a baseline of zero when he was assigned this UFO desk. And it, it was not based on any prior knowledge or personal interest on his part. So he was a little um, maybe less – I don't want to say less enthusiastic because he's definitely still professional. But he, our point is he wasn't going home at night looking at a The Truth Is Out There poster. Because they weren't out yet. Because they weren't out yet. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Fair play. You got me. <laughs> I was trying to slide that one by you. But uh, we don't you have one of those posters? Yeah. So awesome. We should get more around the office. Okay. How many is too many? 17. Okay, great. So we'll stick to 60. Okay. Uh, So he, yeah, he's a journalist. He's objectively digging into things. And if you are an investigative journalist, you still apply the same methods to any investigation. So he's doing the same sort of legwork that a good reporter would do. And he found that there were a lot of simple explanations for what people were reporting. Yeah, almost 95% of the cases that he was presented with, right? And um, it's always something like, what, a weather balloon, an aircraft light, the things you hear about. Swamp gas, maybe, but probably not very often. I still, I you know, I have a hard time saying swamp gas. It comes up all the time on our show, but something about those the A and swamp and the A and gas make it really difficult for me not to say it in a weird accent. Like, like swamp gas? Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, was there another one? It's like swamp gas. Oh, there you go. Swamp gas. Like <laughs> you ever did? We, we had a guy that came to our school when I was a kid named Okie Finoki Joe. Uh-huh. And he'd always talk about being swamp wise. Swamp wise. Gotta be swamp wise. You know, I'm not quite sure what he meant. I took a tour with Okie Finoki Joe yeah? when I was a kid. There you go. What? Down in the old Okie Finoki swamp. Were you swamp wise? We did a swamp tour. Did you get snake? bit i did not then you were swamp wise is this a a real thing (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i think it was uh, (laughs) that's funny yeah it was in my school in augusta georgia i think he just like made the rounds wow you know i don't think i ever met i haven't had the privilege (laughs) you really missed out dude is there more than one okie fudoki joe it's possible is there a lineage like how there's more than one mcgruff there must be there must be but i mean it's around the same time i bet it was i bet it was the same one swamp gas (laughs) <laughs> I will, instead of swamp gas, just say naturally occurring bioluminescence. All right. I think we both know I'm going to stick with saying swamp gas okay. in a bad accent. Swamp gas. Swamp gas. <laughs> oh, when you say it like that, it sounds like you got a touch of the swamp gas. <laughs> yeah, I know. There we go. Is that our new euphemism for really bad farts and ter- terrible flatulism? Flatulism. <laughs> And this has been our childish aside for today's episode. <laughs> These are important. But yeah, yes. Thank you for getting us back on track. Yeah, so those things that, like you were saying, Matt, that would be the usual suspects. Lights, weather balloons, swamp gas. <laughs> uh, so this is weird, though, because it means that 5% of these cases could not be explained. Yeah, and then his real job, why oh, he was employed yeah. there is to take that 5% and then go, nothing to see here. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. His job was not to say, hey, look at these uh, inexplicable things. His job was to downplay the importance of that to the public. Yeah, keep calm, carry on, God save the queen, et cetera, et cetera. And the – But not only to the yeah. media and the public, to the lawmakers themselves. Mm-hmm. To parliament. Yeah. Don't worry about this. To what end, though? I, You know, it depends on where you're coming from. So if you believe that the government is actively suppressing knowledge of something, then it's his job to keep people sort of blissfully ignorant, right? But so like, like Will Smith and uh, Tommy Lee Jones in The Men in Black. But if it's uh, – if, if we're looking at it from a more skeptical standpoint, people would say it's his job to stop people from becoming alarmed – unnecessarily. So he's trying to quell panic. I see. 
I see. And he's also a first-level gatekeeper for whatever other governmental organization is going to actually look into that 5%. So he, in my mind, he doesn't even have to fully look into that 5%. I mean, he's doing all the investigation. He's talking to witnesses. He's doing all this. But if you get way down into it and truly trying to figure out what it is, well, is probably, this worth passing on yes. to someone that can actually do something about uh, it? That's, that's in my mind what Nick Pope's, like the true reason that he's doing okay. this work. That seems spot on to me. That makes sense. Otherwise, that, why yeah. bother fielding all these phone calls from these <laughs> wackadoos that think they've seen, you know, a spaceman? Yeah. Which I think I think the four of us would be very good at that job. Oh, absolutely. And when I say wackadoos, I'm saying I'm sure many of them are legitimate sightings or legitimate things and concerns yeah. or what have you. But I'm talking about that percentage of people that are just – Hmm. Yeah, talking about swamp gas, <laughs> you know, like out in the swamps. I got a message from my cat. The Greenman. At the yeah. end of the world. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know there's going to be some of that. And you got to give props to this guy because he he took it to the to the max, my friends. He felt that it was his personal duty to, like, look into everything regarding the history of UFO sightings from, you know, everything from the, you know, like the, more of the folkloric or, you know, pop culture kind of versions of stories mm-hmm. to these kind of really over-the-top conspiracies. Um, and he had just an encyclopedic knowledge of this stuff. Yeah, he was a so sponge. It does sound like it would, would have been a fun job. Yeah, and uh, he, as we said, his work with the Ministry of Defense at the UFO desk ended in 1994. He continued working for a while with the ministry. He moved to the U.S., in 2012 and retired from that line of work to become a full-time UFO expert, uh, what people would call a noted ufologist. But you see, he doesn't care for the term. He calls himself a UFO investigator, not a ufologist. And he's a little bit anomalous in his field right now because we've talked with people who are fairly prominent you know, and and considered experts in the field of UFO studies. We we talked to them on this show, and he, to some people, stands out or is controversial because he came to this through a professional aspect. Whereas, again, a lot of people were who became UFO panelists or commentators. They were inspired by their own UFO sighting, or they were drawn to the topic due to a personal interest, and he has neither of those. And he, Pope himself, notes that some members of the community do not trust him. They think he may still be employed by the government or some organization to function as an agent of disinformation. He's the Richard C. Doty of the UK. The Richard C. Doty of the UK. That's a, remind us who Richard C. Doty is again. Richard C. Doty is the guy, uh, the Mirage Man, the guy who was sent out there to purposefully feed disinformation to people who consider themselves ufologists. Mm-hmm. And that's a real thing, folks. Yeah. That actually did happen. So this is not entirely unfounded paranoia, and paranoia runs high in this community, and it's not an unusual accusation. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it also makes sense because by his own admission, his professional task was less to publicize reports and more to downplay their importance. And then, you know, it depends on where you fall. If we're being completely fair, you could say that he is either suppressing the truth or you could say that he is preventing public hysteria. So it really depends on what what motivations you would ascribe to him. We're we're not ascribing motivations to him. Uh, He seems on the up and up. He seems like he was just, at least at that time, doing what he was supposed to do as an employee. Yeah. Uh, you know, he makes a really, really good point in some of the writing he's done about these concepts of taking an online course to train yourself to be a ufologist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he's, he makes a, a fantastic point that if you are that interested in something and you're already perhaps creating images in your mind of what the potentials could be for the things you're seeing or studying – you may already have drank, like had too much of the Kool-Aid yourself <laughs> and you're going to see things that aren't really there because you, you're you going to have confirmation biases, bias problems and all kinds of other issues in that regard. Mm-hmm. And that that does make sense. Also, that can go both ways. Right? Right. So someone can say, I, I mean, the most, some of the most irritating 
irritating mistakes in critical thinking come from people who consider themselves skeptics and think that being a skeptic automatically means extraordinary things cannot exist. Just shoot it down. Right, right. It's it, it's weird. It, it's difficult to be objective and people – People uh, constantly think that ob- objectivity is in the eye of the beholder. Objectivity is the process by which someone comes to agree with what I believe, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the mistake we make. But Pope is out there. As you said, Matt, he is an author. You can find his books online. You can see interviews with him. And he is one of many ufologists. There's, there's one important point, though, about – about Pope and UFOlogists in general that our complaint department made uh, while I was getting coffee and we were getting ready to record. Oh, Talking yeah. about the Strickmeister? Yes, our complaint department, Jonathan.Strickland at HowStuffWorks.com. The quiz? The quizster? Uh, that's, the, uh, that's sort of an alter ego. Oh, okay. <laughs> but Which, yeah, yeah, we still call him Jonathan Strickland the quizster. It's very confusing. Yeah. It's very strange. We should have him on this show. Yeah, when are you going to come on Ridiculous History, Matt? Can I, when can when do you want to go on the show? Uh, that's not up to me, guys. What do you want to talk about? Is it Nick Pope? Do we have to check with Nick? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm here. All right. Well, Available. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll tap you. We'll, we'll tap you for that in the very near future because we're getting people requesting it pretty heavily at this point. Oh, okay. And we have to, we have to do it before uh, you're on some more adventures. Yeah. Right. As long as you make uh, – you let me appear as the um, – what was it? The the Southern Genie in the Moonshine oh, yeah. Bottle or whatever it <laughs> yes. is? There you go. Yeah. Will you do it in your mint julep voice? Yeah, that's. I, I think everything is predicated on that. Okay. So let's, let's <laughs> All right. Done okay. deal. So what exactly, what great point did our, uh, did our complaint department bring up? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. 
Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Oh, bated breath. Let's do this. All right, all right. Yeah, that's right. Stuff they don't want you to know. You pay for the whole seat, but you only need the edge. (laughs) That's a Scott Benjamin line. Nice. Uh, So what Jonathan pointed out, and he is... Uh, one of the more – of our colleagues and cohort, he falls more on the skeptical side pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. And he said that he believes there's a difference between professional and credible and we often conflate the two. So a professional ufologist doesn't necessarily have to be a credible ufologist. They're just someone who is paid to investigate these things. Okay. And I thought I thought that was a point that we – had to mention at least once in this show. Now we're not we're not calling into question anybody's credibility at this point, but we are saying that just because someone is paid to do something does not mean they are automatically the best at it, right? Yeah. With that being said, we would like to empower you. If you are listening now and you say, "Guys, thanks for giving me the lay of the land." Uh, I want to I wanna do this UFO stuff. I want to be a ufologist. I don't have time to mess around with the online studies. Uh, I've, I've read some books, but I think the best way to learn about UFOs is on-the-job experience, just like Nick Pope. Well, we have some leads for you. The first one is, are you a member of MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, already? If you are, you're probably paying around $60 a year for membership there. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you can do is once you become a mender, member, you can talk to your state director. So you can send an email out to the person that's the director of MUFON near you. You get a copy of this uh, MUFON field investigators manual. Mm-hmm. You study the manual. It's pretty big. Let's see. You can order one here. Um, where is it? Where I'm, I'm looking for it online. Here we go. Here we go. Hard copy field investigators manual only cost you $105 us. Uh, so far we're at about $170. Okay. Um, which is more, well, no, it's less than that first, uh, right. course we were talking about. It was 127 pounds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, no, the other one was like, what, one, $100 to $400 oh, or something yes. like that? So That's depending right. on where you land in there. Uh, then once you've done that and you've studied your manual really hard, you can complete the volunteer and field investigator orientation program on the MUFON University. Uh, and then, ooh, another thing, another opportunity you can have here is to mentor with a licensed MUFON field investigator, which is kind of cool. Does that cost extra? I don't know, but you all you have to do is contact your state director and coordinate with somebody. But you can just do a ride along, I guess. For you think a while. they have meetups where you can kind of just go check out the lay of the land and have a little meet and greet? Yes, I'd be into that. Yeah, so, I would. I would love for us to go there. Absolutely. Is there a chapter here in Atlanta? Yes. Really? I don't know. I honestly don't know, guys. But we can look it up. I'm assuming there has to be something at least regional. There's a Georgia meetup.com says there's a MUFON Georgia meetup that's happening on August 4th. Holy no smokes. No way. That's four days before my birthday. 20, 2018. <laughs> that was my mind exploding. Where? It is, ooh, it's in Tucker, right that's off La Vista, right up the street. That's totally in our neighborhood. Right off 75. Oh, we got to go. Oh, right my off 285. God. Yep, that's hey, happening. Hang on, let me check with Paul. Paul, do you want to go with us? It's a Saturday. August 4th. Paul nodded and smiled. And Oh, my smile and a nod. Yeah, all right. The double whammy from Paul. Well, if we got Deccant in, then uh, we have to to see if we can make it to this thing. It would be a great experience. So there we go. You can get firsthand experience even with a mentor investigating reports of UFOs under the auspice of the Mutual UFO Network or MUFON. And again, it is not free. It is a rather significant investment. It is. But let's say you're not in the U.S. Well, you're still in luck. The British UFO Research Organization, or you like this, Noel, Bufora, offers a similar program. Bufora. 
And we'd like to hear about other countries' programs because I imagine there are other European communities or institutions that have stuff like this. There's probably some stuff like this in Canada as well as in parts of South America, Central America, maybe some parts of Africa as well. We want to know. We want to know what's going on in your neck of the global woods. These licenses, by the way, are self-determined by these groups. Yes. So it's not like, for instance, uh, how you would get a pilot's license that allows you to fly in different countries. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, it's up to that. It's organization by organization. Last thing to say about that MUFON meetup. Sorry to track, oh, yeah, backtrack yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, please no, do. I'm, I'm into this. It's yeah. free to the public. Oh, nice. Um, I'm going to – let's blow this thing up. See how many people we can get there. Do you, do you want to do that or do you just want to let it – if people are interested, they'll find it. And who knows when this episode will actually come out. Uh, that's true. We need to put it out before August 4th. <laughs> yeah, we do. All right. Okay, yeah. Let's blow it up, Matt. What's uh, What are the deets? It's at the uh, – let's see – C-O-F-E-R, Kofer Library. Oh, there's an address. You want me to put this address yeah, in there? Yeah, put it out in the world, man. It's at 5234 La Vista Road in Tucker, Georgia. The Tucker Reed H. Kofer Library. There it is. All right. Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's go. All it's, right. It's down, it's down the street from us. I think I've actually been to this library. You know, I think I have two. Not during I a move on. Thing. Don't want to give away how close in proximity I am to that area, but you're I've been there. You're familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is cool. We're actually this spontaneously is happening, folks. We have organically decided that we're going to take a field trip. And if you are in the area, we would love to see you there. And if not, you can experience it vicariously through us because I'm sure we'll report back unless we totally flake on this. But we've we've codif oh, no. we've codified it in podcast stone, so we have to we have to follow through now. It's basically oh, yeah. written in our own blood. Yeah, this Dude, agreement. This is awesome. So, so we are going to get uh, we're going to learn about move on firsthand. We're going to hear from uh, people who are active in these investigations and hear about their journeys. There are also, as several of our listeners already know, numerous groups and organizations studying various specific aspects of unidentified aerial phenomenon, and you can join these groups in person or online. They provide literature and other resources that could be great of great value to you if you're a budding ufologist. It's also no secret that there's a lot of misleading info out there in this field, and so the burden of differentiating between legitimate research and pure entertainment is going to fall squarely on the shoulders of the individuals or groups researching this stuff. You know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. it's the – like you can read a book about algebra and pretty much trust that you don't have to double-check a lot of the text. Yeah. It's not the case here, you know? Nowadays, many academic studies of UFO phenomenon can be classified as primarily sociological or anthropological studies, not of the sightings themselves, but of the psychology of the witnesses. This is a trend we've noticed a lot, and it, it happens in other categories of things that would be called fringe research or conspiracy theories. It's an immensely valuable undertaking. I'm not trying to ding it for that, but we can't conflate it with studies of sightings or reports themselves. It's a shift in the narrative. You know what I mean? And it's a, it's kind of – so like one example, tell me what you think about this. I don't know if this matches one-to-one, -one, but I would say writing or studying solely the psychological or sociological trends of someone or some group of people who report seeing UFOs, it's a lot like how – it, it, it's as if you're writing about how people feel about a song or its cultural impact and saying it's the same thing as writing about the structure of the song. It's not. Interesting. You know what yeah. I mean? No, I like that. That's kind of what I was saying at the top of the show too, how – and you, you also said when you talk about the ufology as a field, you presuppose – the discovery of actual UFOs, which turns it into something else at that point, doesn't mm. it? It's more like I, uh, IFO, ology, <laughs> you know? So there's a lot yeah. of uh, leap of faith kind of activity going on with this whole field of study. But I like the 
more sociological version of it. That mm. interests me more than trying to get the credentials to be a UFO hunter. I think just with a little imagination and, and go-getterness and that journalistic spirit we talked mm. about with our buddy Pope, mm. I think you're kind of armed and dangerous to, to go after mm. the stuff yourself if it really intrigues you, you know? I, I would say speaking of Pope, some of on his website right now, if you go check it out, I don't remember the URL, but just search Nick Pope and oh. it's right up there. Uh, with the wiki, and he discusses how he's taken, after all this time, taken more of a big picture view of a lot of this stuff, and he that's exactly what he's looking at now, the sociological meaning mm-hmm. of even even conspiracy theories. Like, he says that on his webpage. Why, why do we as a culture tend to believe in conspiracy theories? That's one of my and, favorite parts about our show, yeah. is that very discussion. Yeah. And that's what he wants to study now. And he thinks there should be bigger funded studies mm-hmm. on that. And those those things are on the way, I would say. We had – you know, we've had people call us off air to do interviews about this kind of thing, you know. And you've been doing some lately. We – I think we're going to end up doing more to be honest with you. I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go for us. Uh, I hope that we I, – I don't – the Zoo Crew one was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, we we might be back on there too. I'm trying to drag you guys on there. I want to do a morning zoo show. It's uh, it's a thing. <laughs> can I hit, can yeah. I hit the air the air horn button? No, they, they, they'll do they're that in for charge you. of the sound effects. <laughs> oh, yeah. obviously. they're actually pretty clear about it too. This was a thing. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> so um, yeah, so we, you know we love that stuff. Any way we can communicate the message, and we have we have a great time in those things because. To steal the old line from Fox News, now more than ever, a lot of things that were considered implausible are becoming increasingly provable and plausible. Yep. Right? Because we jumped timelines and now we're in an alternate universe. We're in a – we have become our own breakaway society. Is that what they – did I bring it back right? Yeah, you did. You did it. Okay. So (laughs) like any serious academic, a true UFO researcher is not setting out with a predetermined conclusion. Obviously, this means – a good investigator is not sitting down and saying, how can I prove this craft was made by a previously unacknowledged extraterrestrial civilization? But just as importantly, it also means that person is not sitting down and saying, how can I disprove that this is unusual? You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, what they're doing is they're doing exactly what Nick Pope did, which is getting all the data, sponging up everything, and then following it to a provable conclusion. So... It's no surprise that most UFO investigators have found numerous mundane explanations for sightings, and that's a great thing. I mean, I know it sounds like a party pooper thing to say, but it's it's fantastic because the stuff that we can prove gives us more information about the inexplicable, the real mysterious stuff, that 5%. You know, I mean, even Project Blue Book couldn't explain everything. Yeah. And they threw a ton of money at it. I got to say, guys. There have been humans that have been fascinated by looking up in the sky and seeing strange things for a long time now. Let's say a long time. Mm-hmm. We still haven't been able to prove anything anywhere because if we have, this discussion wouldn't even be happening right now. We'd be talking about the midichlorians and the – from whatever faraway galaxy – um, the species that we uncovered or the mm-hmm. ship that landed that one time – that wasn't at Roswell or wasn't the Rendlesham Forest incident. There was a fantastic um, piece on This American Life that I heard the other day where Ira Glass was interviewing one of his producers whose name now escapes me, but he has a uh, degree in astrophysics, and that was his first kind of career. And then he became a producer and a, a journalist for This American Life. And he was talking about how he couldn't help but be bummed out existentially at the idea that maybe there is no other life. Uh, and, he, and he was trying to explain to Ira Glass that from his scientific background, with, through his filter, through his understanding of you know astrophysics, how this was a really big deal to him. And Ira Glass kind of couldn't understand. He thought it was sort of a silly thing to be, quote unquote, bummed out about. Huh. Um, so what is that called? The Fermi paradox? Mm-hmm. The idea that if it was there, somebody would have found something by now, you know? Right. And then there's also a, a number that is – 
generated. I believe that is the Drake equation. Yeah. That is the likelihood of extraterrestrials existing. And they calculated it on the show, and it was something like point zero 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 nine one. So basically zero. But it was just interesting. That it, life it, exists or that we will encounter that life? I, I, I can't quite remember the nature of the uh, the equation, but that was where it stands right now, apparently, based on the scientific research and material that's out there, that number mm-hmm. changes. But apparently it's very, very close to zero right now, which is I would kind take, of a bummer. I would take issue with those people because I think that next to zero number is probably that Earth would be visited or that Earth will visit some other civilization. Right. It's the uh, meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. But that life yeah. exists, I'm pretty sure that's almost a certainty. Oh, that came up too in, in the in the piece where it was like, would you be cool if it was just like maybe an amoeba? Like does it have to be – a sentient creature that you can communicate with? Like, where do you draw the line at this, like, existential bummer kind of thing, right? Right. So that's a big question here, too, and it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's all a timescale problem, buddy. Yeah, I mean, it's certain that there is some form of life somewhere out in the universe just because the room is too big for there not to be. But because the room is so big, this room being the universe— uh, there's virtually no chance that we will ever ever run into them. I I love I love the idea of humanity stumbling upon some ancient relic, and it's very sad and bittersweet. But it's still really important. Like you know, what if someone finally lands on Mars, and then they find like the equivalent of alien graffiti? Zorlak was here or whatever. That's first off. That's the most important thing that ever happened automatically in human history. And secondly, it's one of the loneliest things. Yeah. What happened to Zorlock, dude? He made it to Earth with that one ship full of uh, DNA Mm -hmm. and then seeded the whole planet with it. You've seen Alien Covenant or whatever it was. (laughs) Prometheus. Yeah. (laughs) So if in conclusion for today's episode, thanks for coming along with us on this ride. If you want to become a ufologist, one of your first and most significant steps is going to be determining an area of focus. Do you want to concentrate on a specific event like that uh, aerial school uh, sighting? Mm-hmm. and Or do you want to focus on a type or genre of event? Do you prefer to focus on a related trend such as the psychology of witnesses, even though this would not in itself be UFO research so much as sociological research? And then after determining that, you want to read widely. We found a great starting point uh, for anybody who's looking for a good bibliography on serious UFO research. It's called UFO Literature for the Serious Ufologist. It's by George M. Eberhardt, and it lists all kinds of different books and articles on this particular subject and will help you get started. You can also, there are a couple places online that you can find, but this is a, re, we would recommend this place. Yeah, it's, uh, it was, I think it's, I want to say it's from 1998, which will, which means it's going to be a little bit dated, but it has some, it has some solid, some solid gold classic hits. Yeah, and, basically a bibliography that's going to get you on your feet. Yeah. And uh, you also want to join organizations and groups with similar focus areas like the meetup Matt just found for us on air. MUFON only $70 a year. Yeah. Uh, Attend conferences, correspond with fellow researchers, become a part of the community. And while the online courses we found do still exist, they're not the only operations around. For example, and this is more alien life than UFO related, but for example, Harvard has a free online course called Super Earths and Life that combines multiple disciplines to examine the possibility of life on other planets. But let's end on this note. We would like to hear from you. Do you consider yourself a ufologist? What sort of studies have you found to be helpful? What are some tips or tricks you might have for your fellow listeners who are considering pursuing this research that's really great please please write in let us know send us uh i would say call us and tell us what you're like what you think these places are that you need to go or things you need to read we are one eight three three stdwytk we still need more messages before we can make a full episode with your voices on it so we, we need got your a voice juicy one uh, that came in today we did but we need more we need more. We're so greedy for your messages. Fuel the machine of your own voice. That number is 833-783-9985. 
You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you don't want to do any of that stuff, you can just do it the old-fashioned way, the new old-fashioned way. Send us an email. We are conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry radio discover more shows and movies for free at-